Hey, thanks a lot for being here and have a seat and just sit back and uh, can I tell you just to enjoy for the next few minutes? Can we do that? Can we just, yeah? All right. You're not supposed to enjoy anything in church. Is that what, is that what, okay. All right. Okay. We're talking about street talk, which I think is kind of a, a, a tension filled topic when we talk about sharing our faith. Okay. Um, sharing our faith is a, a bit, a, a bit of a, you know, difficult thing. I think there's a lot of people that would say, well, it's hard for me to, to share my faith. And then, you know, we add whatever blanks, you know, whatever reasons or whatever tensions or whatever problems that we have with sharing our faith. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And Matt Loveday started off, uh, started the, you know, the series off last week really well. You know, he talked, we talked about, you know, the four disciples that, that Jesus just walked up to and said, follow me. Okay, follow me. And Jesus didn't say, I'm going to give you riches or I'm going to give you, uh, you know, uh, a life that, you know, is going to be mansion filled and and people are going to come and and call you blessed or going to give you a life that, you know, you're going to be all stars or rock stars or whatever. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of other people, of men. Like, I don't know about you, but that's quite an invitation. I don't know how many of you would have jumped at that. I don't think you are going to jump at anything this morning, to be honest. All right. Okay. All right. Um, I was tempted to bring fireworks here this morning, but I figured that would be overkill. <laughs> okay. We're good. We're good. But, you know, Matt, Matt talked about three things I thought was really insightful. You know, they, they, they stepped out despite their fear. You know, and, and you know, they, the, the whole fear thing, just to step out. You know, we've got all kinds of, of reasons that why would, we, why would we give up what we know and what is comfortable and just follow Jesus, you know, um, with a little bit of history. You know, we hear this miraculous stuff that's going on and they followed him and that, you know, uh, despite their fear, they followed. They, and they didn't procrastinate. That's the other thing. None of them said, can you just give me a couple of days to pray about it? Okay. Can we have a prayer meeting? Uh, <laughs> you know, anything like that. They didn't procrastinate at all. There's a number of passages in the Bible where they hear the voice of God or they hear the direction of God and the people just go and they do it, which is really significant to me. Like they, did, they just drop their nets, okay, and they walked out, you know. Um, and also despite their insecurity, right, they... they, they they went towards Jesus. They, they went forward, Jesus, despite their insecurity. So all of those things that each and every one of us could say, you know, these are the reasons or this is, this is what holds me back from sharing my faith. You know, the demonstration of these disciples who just went is really kind of interesting. So, you know, um, so we're t- going to talk a little bit about... Um, sharing our faith, and look at a passage this morning. Now, I was at a conference recently, and uh, I got to hear uh, a young pastor who is pastoring um, one of the fastest-growing churches in Canada, okay, out in Surrey, B.C. It was really interesting to, you know, spend time and to hear him uh, and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things that happens in Canada, and certainly when we were, when I was at this conference, it was all Canadian leaders. It was all Canadian pastors and, and ministry leaders. And there's this stigma in Canada that we're not like the U.S. 
Okay, we can't make a difference up here. People have kind of decided that church is irrelevant. We can't impact the culture anymore. We've got no, you know, and there's a number of churches in Canada that are really making a difference and really changing um, the landscape. And this is one of the churches. And, um, you know, and by, and by the way, they're, they're finding that 35% of churches are growing. It's not the 80 are declining or dying. Those are false kind of statistics are saying that more churches are growing than people believe. But anyway, this particular church, uh, I was really struck by what was growing his church. You know, what we call, um, he, he, he called them, I heard this a number of times, the, the three L's, the least, the lost, and the left behind. So, you know, people who aren't necessarily you know, the drug addicts, the, the street people, all of those. The, that's, that's what's growing this church. And, then, and the place is exploding. And it's a very simple church in the sense that they're just talking about Jesus and the difference Jesus is going to make in their lives. And I was struck because, you know, I thought of two things. I thought of two things in my own mind when I was listening to this presentation. And the two things I thought right away, and actually confirmed when, when, the, when the pastor spoke later on about what was happening. I, first thing I thought, boy, that's got to be really messy. <laughs> right? That's not, that's not comfortable. They're not, they're not you know... <laughs> They don't come in the way many of us come in, okay? Very, very messy. And some of the stories he told were just, you've got to be kidding me, right? Number two, you know the other thing I felt? How exciting. How exciting. I was like on the edge of my seat. And I thought, wow. And, you know, it was a, it was a very simple message, empowered by the Spirit of God, and communicating a truth that a lot of people need here and it reminded me very much of the of the passage we're going to talk about today because it's one of those passages that kind of you read it and you kind of go a little bit like really you know because we have other other methods and all this stuff so here we are i want to i want to take us to romans 10 14 to 17 the apostle paul's talking to the believers in you know the capital city of the empire that exists at that time and, and Paul says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Okay. Now, I want to I invite you to do one thing. Um, I'm going to read the word believe in many of these passages. In the Greek, though, you could easily, easily translate or, or use the word trust where the word believe is. Because in Greek, to believe in something is an element of trust. You know, we talk about believe as just a mental assent. But in Greek, when you talk about having to, to believe, there's an element of trust involved with it. That you don't move in that direction unless you have this element of trust. So you could easily put the word trust. And I think the message by Eugene Peterson actually puts the word trust in there as opposed to belief. Because belief can be just this nebulous thing. In many ways. But the trust is actually move in that direction. You know, build your life upon and say this is it. Okay? So they believe in him. And how can they believe in him or trust in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? 
And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful, how beautiful from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet. So those who are sent, they are a gift to the world. They are a gift of God and a gift of the gospel. And by the way, in this translation, they use the word, they use the term good news. They don't use the term gospel because that's what gospel means in Greek. It's good news. And, and, and for those who, who are modern and we've been in church a long time and we hear the word gospel, we need to remember that, that in Greek, it's a proclamation of something that is wonderful. Okay? Um, there's, there's, a, there's a little wordplay that happens in Greek where, you know, you talk about an abundant life. And Jesus talked about abundant life. And it's called the perisotera life in Greek, which means more than, greater than. That if you are just living with just the minimum, that's not a perisotero life, okay? And Jesus talked about this abundant life, this good news life to bring. And there's a, a counter word in Greek called hirotera which means worse than, lousy. You don't want a hirotera life. You want a perisotera life, okay? Which is the good news, which is the gospel, which is more than you can ever imagine, hope, do on your own. And it's the proclamation of something that is wonderful and brand new, okay? But not everyone welcomes the good news, For Isaiah, the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? Here's Isaiah to the nation of Israel, to the people who should have known everything about God and and shouted from the rooftops the wonder of the God of creation. And yet Isaiah had difficulty getting them to hear about the good news, to hear about the grace of God, to hear about the mercy of God and, and all that he was doing in the lives of the Israelite people. People, So faith, here it comes. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. And notice that it's not just nebulous God stuff. Notice that the faith comes you know, from hearing. We can talk about all this good stuff and, and, and God can do, but it's specifically the good news about who? Jesus Christ. That's why we gather around this table. That's why we celebrate what Jesus has done and all the wonder and all the goodness. Now, I want to I really quickly tie this together with three, three things. And um, um, I want to talk about three questions that come out of this, okay, that we need to deal with. Why, why is Paul so adamant about, you know, communicating this message, talking to people, making sure they hear the gospel, hear this good news of Jesus Christ. And this this why thing. And this why thing is we kind of we shelve it. We kind of don't know what to do with it. We kind of, you know, um, um, push it aside. And we, and we try to redefine it. And we try to, to, to walk around it. And we try to manage it in our lives. And we really don't know what to do with it because, because it's such a negative thing. And the thing I'm talking about is even Jennifer Paul uh, prayed for it, which I was really surprised. Okay? God bless her. Okay? But she talked about sin. Okay? We don't, we don't entertain, you know, this whole topic of sin anymore. 
Because, you know, it's judgmental. It's all about God. It's all about, you know, the, the negative side of my character, the negative side of my thing. But, you know, you cannot understand the good news of Jesus Christ. You cannot understand the gospel. You cannot understand the necessity of proclaiming the good news if we don't accept this thing that we are broken people, that we are sinful people. That there's this moral absolute, that there's this God in heaven who is pure righteousness, pure holiness, and that, and that in comparison, in comparison to God, I fall very short. There's just no way I can say, God, you and I are, I can't even say it, <sighs> equal, you know. You, you can't even say that. When you know the full capacity and the character of God, how can you in any way even, even attempt to make God accountable to you? That this sin, this, this divide that exists between a holy and righteous God and the character and nature of ourselves, you know. I've often said, you know, um, I've often said that, that I think one of the biggest surprises when, when, when um, you know, that day comes and we enter into the other side and, and death comes for each and every one of us. I, I think one of the big shocks we're going to get, apart from seeing God face to face and seeing Jesus face to face and the wonders of heaven and all that stuff, I think one of the things that's going to really shock us is the level and the degree that sin affected everything here on the planet. I don't think we have any, any concept of just how much our life was incredibly limited by sin. That it, that, it, that it broke everything. No matter, no matter, even the good things, even the very good things that we have in this life, even the very good things got absolutely decimated. And they're not even close to what God intended. That sin has just kind of marred everything. Okay? You guys okay? You guys awake? All right. I'm falling asleep. Um, but sin is, sin is this horrible thing. And the good news is never good news if you don't understand the depravity and the sin and all that kind of stuff. And that's the ugly side of the equation, isn't it? That's the ugly side of the equation. But Paul said this is desperate for people to hear. All right? Okay, so, and then the second thing is how. You know, Paul talks about how. And we're talking about communicating this that this is really important for people to hear very important for people to hear now here's how we normally do evangelism okay there's a number of methods that we use we use what's called the accounting method okay where we tabulate all the decisions that have made right and, and on one side check check yeah they, they said yes to jesus yes to jesus you know and all this kind of, kind of stuff but very little on discipleship Okay, when we do that, and, we, and if we're just pushing people to make a decision, like I know people that used to be in the grocery store and they used to have this card, please just say yes to Jesus and you will go to heaven. And they would hand that to the, to the cashier as they were going through the grocery line. And they would say, say yes, just say yes. Just say yes. All right? I thought you'd laugh a lot more than that, because that's really bad. Right? You know, account, this accounting, and it's decision-centered. Right? The second thing is the Harvard method. How many of you do the Harvard method? Let's study all the world religions. And let's do the academic thing. Right? And let's, let's parse God. Okay? 
this academic method, right? And uh, it's, it, it, now, mind you, it's very educational. It's very stimulating, okay? But I've had very few people kind of make a decision for Jesus because it was really academic. Now, I'm not, now I, I, I teach at a seminary, so please don't think I'm against academics, all right, for a second, okay? That's what we focus on at the school, all right? The other thing is the silent treatment. How many of you do the silent witness treatment? If I live just a good life, they're bound to ask me. <laughs> Faith comes by what? Hearing. And how will they hear if no one sends them? See, the other, okay, this, this, don't, please don't be insulted. The, the fourth method, method is the cop-out method. I bring them to church and let the preacher do it. You like that one? <laughs> okay, okay. All right, that's the cop-out that's the cop method. Okay, um, I get, we could add all kinds of other methods, right? But I'm not going to tell you what the good method is because we're going to do that next week. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that next week. But, but here's, the, here's the what. Here's the what. Notice, notice in this passage, it's the focus on the good news of Jesus. Notice, notice you know, I'm getting a headache from this. I'm, I'm always struck at, at just how much we hear about the church and the things it communicates and the ethical and moral things that, that it's against and, and all this kind of stuff. And yet, scripture after scripture, time after time, the thing that appears to be the most central in the communication is the person of Jesus Christ. That... How many times do we just say, listen, you know, I might not have it all together. I might not understand this fully. I might not have the argument for creation or evolution. I might not, I might not, I might not, I might not. Because the reality is all of those questions that get thrown to you are often smoke screens. And it's, and it's consistently bringing people back to the person of Jesus. Because anything else just simply becomes an argumentation on philosophy, on theology, on you know, all those other things that people love to throw walls up against. But when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, there's very little that people can say against him. And that's what gets communicated here consistently. Now, here, here, here are some of the reasons why we don't witness is, or we don't say something. It's like, for many of us, it's just, I don't have the answers. You know, pe- like, people throw up all this stuff, and I think I need to be better educated, or I need to understand the Bible better, and all that stuff. And, you know, that's fair. But never walk away and say, well, you know, I don't have all the answers, and then walk away. What you need to do is that I may not have all the answers that you have, but this is one thing I do know. Amen. That Jesus has made a difference in my life. Okay? Never walk away with it without at least putting that 
there for people to understand. Here's another, here's another reason. I don't know how many times people come to me. I can't witness because my life is too much of a mess. When people really look at me, you know, it's like, oh, you know. And you know, and you know what? We are not perfect. Thank God for that. Amen to that. Okay. And would your mess not be a mess that they have too? <laughs> and would your experience not be an experience they need to hear? Wouldn't it impact people to know that Christians are not perfect? That their perfection comes through the blood of Jesus Christ into their lives, the sanctification and all that kind of theological stuff? Here's the other reason is that many of us don't believe it really will make a difference in their lives. That we don't really believe it either. That we go to church because we've gone to church for so many years and we've done it so many times. And it's, it's just been such a habit. It's been such a routine. It's just been such a you know, part of what I do. And yet, do I really, really, really believe that Jesus is the answer to any questions they have, to any situation they have, to any circumstances they have, to any problem that they ex- exist with, right? That Jesus doesn't resolve anything, but he brings hope into situations where nothing else can bring hope. See, if I could, if I could encourage you to just do one thing out of this, is never believe that you're talking person to person. Believe that you're talking soul to soul. That will make all the difference in the world. Because if you believe you're talking person to person, you're going to see the barriers. You're going to see the bridges that you have to be, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But when you see a soul, when you see something that Jesus died for, if you see someone who desperately needs the gospel of Jesus, when you see some as a soul that needs to be redeemed, that's a whole different thing. And you can, you, can, you can take away the personality issues. You can take away the, the, the difficulties. You can, you can kind of, you know, classify. And we all fall into those categories, right? Soul to soul. The soul. So what has you scared in sharing? And we'll, we'll talk about this further next week. I want to just close with an illustration. And, and, and I just I simply wanted to challenge you today about what is it that's stopping you from at least communicating. And you know what? You don't have to do the full Monty when it, well, full Monty, when it comes to the, go, the gospel. Okay? You don't, you know, right? Have you, ever, have you ever just dropped little hints or little bombs and get people talking? That's all you need to do, by the way. Right? You know? You're getting gas in the morning, and how's your day been? Oh, you know, and the person says, well, how's your day? Well, my day's going to be great because I'm going to church. Try that sometime. You know how much any gas attendants you're going to scare? Or you're going to go, what? You're the only customer I've had this morning. Okay? You know, things like, things like that. Drop it. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Here's, here's a little closing illustration. Uh, many of you, I'm, I'm going back way, way, way back in history. Okay? Uh, you've probably heard of a man called Erasmus. And Erasmus was one of the great scholars of the Renaissance. Okay? And um, 
he told a mythical tale many years, and he used to like to tell, tell the story. And he used to imagine what it would be like when Jesus returned to heaven after his resurrection, you know, at the ascension. And uh, he, he, he told the story that the angels gathered around Jesus to learn what had happened. And Jesus told them all about his time on earth with, with you know, the healings and the miracles and the teachings and the people and all that kind of stuff. And Michael the archangel, when Jesus was finished, said, okay, Lord, what happens now? And Jesus says, well, you know, I left 11 people behind who are going to take the message, who are going to take this and spread it to the world. And the archangel said, what? What if they fail? What's the plan then? And Jesus says, guess what? There is no plan B. This is it. This is it. Have you ever thought that when it comes to you and the people around you and the church that you have affinity to, have you ever come to the point to realize that this is it? That we are it? That we, in our, in our weakness, in, in our frailty, in our mess, in our, in our anxieties and in our tensions and in the lives that we live, that we are God's plan A? Now, I know that scares you. I know that absolutely scares you. Absolutely scares you. I know it scares me. And I'm the professional. Right? I'm supposedly, I'm the one that gets paid to do this. Like, I'm the professional. But it scares me too. But to think that this is God's plan A. And for every time, and for every time, and for every time you say, I wish the world was this. Or I wish the world was, or I wish things were better. Or I wish people would stop. You know, you are a significant potential part of the solution because you are people who have been sent to communicate something that is very powerful and don't allow your tensions or your mess to stop the spirit of God potentially making a difference in somebody else's life because of what you believe. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we know it's a difficult tension for many of us, and there's a lot of anxiety in our culture and in our world to talk about the hope that is within us. But it's interesting that we talk about this hope, and, you know, for many of us, there's struggles and valid difficulties in our lives, and and yet that shouldn't stop us from at least talking that in the midst of the difficulties, that we live with a hope that is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that you reached down to touch us all because you loved us and cared for us, that you knew that we could not be redeemed on our own, that we were much more than just people that made mistakes, that we are inherently sinful. And I know that's difficult for many people to hear. 
But without acknowledging that, we would never, ever acknowledge the incredible good news of Jesus coming to the earth, dying for us, shedding his blood, and being raised to new life so that those who place faith in him will be raised to new life as well. Lord, my prayer this morning is for anyone here who has been a part of the service, that if you're speaking to them now, that they would not leave this place without someone praying with them. That we have a prayer room after the service, that they could go there and in confidence and confidentiality place their request before someone else who will pray with them. Lord, if you're moving in the life of someone and in their heart, I pray that you would just continue to speak life and good news, not just through your spirit, but through other believers who are willing to speak and to be heard. So, Lord, we thank you. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.